You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler, and with me, as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. And and soon, in a hundred within a hundred days, you are going to be a Mr. Married Man. Are, are you going to be taking her last name, your last name? How's that? You guys got that figured out yet? Yeah, we're both keeping our names. She's a professional, and she's been working on her PhD, so she'll be a, a doctor by definition. So we're both uh, keeping our... Our last names, but okay. no biggie. That doesn't yeah. really, yeah. I like she's not property. I don't own her, and you know maybe that'll offend some super traditionalist. But you know, I I don't care. I'm keeping mine, and she's keeping hers. That's fine, man. I, that's yeah. I I don't see any big issue with that at all. Nope, we're so. getting excited though. It'll be just to keep praying for good weather, man. You never know. October in the mountains could be seventy, and sunny could be freaking negative ten and snowing. It could be that within an hour. Yep. You know, so. I remember back during the 2012 playoffs. I know I don't want to bring that up too much, but the the game that the Broncos lost against the the Ravens, it was like negative 10 out. And then the next Sunday it was 50 degrees. Mm. Just perfect weather. And you're going, man, if only. Yeah. That, that's the it's the way the cookie crumbles, as they say. No, that's very true. So we'll see. You know, I'm excited. I'm probably not going to get a chance to get back out to the the mountains before things start getting busy with the wedding. But man, I, I August 3rd is a national summiting day mm-hmm. and it would be fun to make a trek out there and uh, climb Long's Peak. Well, I'm just telling you, somebody's going to be out there August 4th mm. and actually August 3rd too. Denver or, es- or uh, the mountains. I'm going to be in Aspen actually. Aspen. All right. Yep. Okay. That's uh, that's where I'm going to be. Where the the beer flows like wine, yes, that's and, uh, <laughs> that's a nice nice little expensive area. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, I got a, a Spartan run out there. So any of you Coloradans out there that are also doing that Spartan run, hit me up. Let me know. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Carl Dumbler MHH, and of course Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. We'll also be bringing you lots of our thoughts on training camp position battles, everything. So make sure you're, you're following us. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at BTB football pod. Make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle an affiliate of the 24 seven sports and CBS sports digital to find ours and our co-writers articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. If you enjoy our show, make sure you head on over and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, where Building the Broncos, along with Huddle Up, are found under the Huddle Up podcast. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, on today's episode, we we thought it'd be kind of interesting because uh, honestly, I'm finding Fangio to be one of the most fascinating coaches I've ever seen. Are, are you kind of getting that same feeling, or what? What are you, your thoughts here, just early on with Fangio and the things that he's doing? Well, he seems to have a really good hold on the players and the media at this point. I mean, everybody is just saying good things about him. You know, people aren't talking about him as he, him being one of the guys, but keep talking about his, his vision, his intelligence, how he communicates. And he, I mean, he's obviously a quick guy, but you know, cause I guess I got to stay on brand as the, the negative guy. We are in the honeymoon phase and he had a really good quote today about the, the culture and the culture doesn't really come. It's a, it's a buzzword in sports these days, team sports, but good culture comes from being on an organization that's winning. So I, I like how he's uh, the non BS kind of guy. However, just like when we brought him in, my biggest concern is that if things do get a little bit hairy and start going sideways, I can't imagine him being the most, uh, the PR guy, if that makes sense. You know, he's going to say it as it is, and that's great. But at the same time, that may rub some folks the wrong way. And I remember one of the things that some people were concerned about when he was first being interviewed is that Vic Fangio, a little rough around the edges and, uh, some worries that him and Elway might butt heads if things get off the rails. But first impressions, you know, everything is – I'm excited about a lot. He's bringing – he's saying a lot of good stuff. Just hear, hearing his press conferences, not a lot of just like – I can't hear the eye rolls from the media members like I could with Vance Joseph. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about all of that. So, you know, we'll see uh, where it goes from here. But, I mean, without even a preseason game being played yet. But it does seem like things are trending in the right direction, which if – I mean, if you've listened to this podcast at all – I'm not expecting a Super Bowl contender this year, but the main thing is this team needs to establish directionality. And I mean, I know culture's that buzzword, like we just said, but you know, what is this team? What is the goal? It's just not a mishmash of people, you know, a team identity. So it does feel like it's going that way. And it's hard not to be excited about that. What I find interesting here is it seems like about once one of the hires per year is a guy that's uh, that hasn't been the hasn't gotten the head coaching opportunity because they are that rough around the edges kind of guy. I'm thinking of like Mike Zimmer, 
Hmm. I mean, how many times did that guy get passed up because he'd go into interviews and they'd talk, he'd just flat out say, this is what I think of your team. This is what I think of the situation. This is how we correct it. He's not a rah-rah kind of guy. He's just a tell it as it is. And then he finally gets a head coaching job and the guy's been very successful there with Minnesota. Yeah. I, I think of Dan Quinn as another one, just a, a very straight shooter when it comes to, especially talking to the media and when things are bad, he tells, tells it like it is. And, and so you're, you're starting to see some of these guys get an opportunity just because I think teams are figuring out this is what young players respond to sometimes those guys that are not going to sugarcoat. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there, there's so many different kind of coaches that have had success. Yeah. It's hard to, to really pin down what is the right kind of coach. And, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here today is just some of the things that, that Vic Fangio is doing that other coaches are not. And just trying to decipher, is this a good decision? Is this a bad decision? Or is it just kind of a wait-and-see decision? And and so let's start with one of them that, that's been talked about probably the most, especially among the, the national media, local media, all of them, the no music. And and some have kind of done the, this is the old man, get off my lawn kind of mentality. Because, I mean, we had, we had with the last coaching regime where – they played music as loud as possible pretty much every practice, every snap. Deafening. Yes. Yeah, just uh, too much. <laughs> I, I remember listening to some podcasts that were recorded there at the stadium, and you could just hear the music in the background just thumping. And it made it actually kind of hard to really pay attention in the, the podcast. Um, so I'm sure a lot of media are actually really loving this no music thing. But what do you think about this in just terms of how this either helps or hurts the team? Well, I think the biggest thing is that it's it's more about teaching, right? This training camp stuff is about the coaches and the veterans and learning the system and everybody getting chemistry and just learning the, the small details right now. And if you are blasting music in there, just personally speaking, I'm somebody that I can't focus when there's music going on in the background. You know, like if I'm trying to read something and even if there's, you know, some – some of my coworkers, you know, chatting it up in the hallway. I'll need to like put on like classical music or something where there's not words. Otherwise, I'm going to be reading the same paragraph for an hour. So I can't imagine trying to learn something to communicate, to go through all these things, processing and playing with music bumping in the background. Now, granted, it's a little bit different than writing code or, you know, reading a medical paper. But, but I think that's the that's the big thing for me is that, you know, it's about the teaching and when it comes time to simulate, you know, whether it be crowd conditions or music like you're playing on the road, I think that'll be pumped in those game days. But right now, I mean, new offense on both sides of the ball, new quarterback, a lot of new players. I think that the, the no music is is a good thing, and it's about bringing that professionalism to the team. You know, we're not out here having an exhibition. This isn't, you know, dudes playing in their murals. This is a professional football team, and we're trying to learn and get ready for the, the season. So I think that's the biggest thing I have. No issue with it. Now, if you're making everybody turn off the music in the locker room or whatnot, you know, that can be that can be an issue. I'm curious to see, like, you know, Von Miller, a guy who loves dancing out there and having fun, if that'll have some effect in the locker room if they're not playing it as much. I mean, if you remember Josh McDaniels, he was kind of came in as that, that tyrant and said, you know, absolute silence, and it kind of had some issues on that, and everybody thought McDaniels was a genius at first. So definitely some things where, you know, we'll see either way, but I do not have any issue with it. Yeah, I, I like this, especially for this first training camp where you're every player is learning a new system. Yeah. Offense, defense, special teams. Pretty, I mean, everybody's just having to learn something new. Besides Callahan. And, 
Right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's some of that, but, but beyond that, most of these guys are really have to learn the whole new verbiage. They're having to learn how to play the the system, the way that they want to play it, all those kind of things. And so like last year, I, I kept hearing about how the, the position coaches just had to yell at the top of their lungs just to be heard. Hmm. And I mean, how much is that really getting through to the players? Like you said, when, when you have that, that background noise going on, it's sometimes hard to really focus. I was outside reading a book this morning. I'm trying this new, you know, better myself thing, go out and read, have a cup of coffee, all that kind what of a stuff. joke. No, I know <laughs> but, uh, the, the first 30 minutes was great Yeah, because it was, nobody else was alive in the town. Just me outside listening to the birds that are starting to chirp for the morning, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden a mower kicks on mm-hmm. and I like all of a sudden my, my speed of reading like slowed down in half. And so I was only getting in and then re- even reading it. I had to reread a couple things. Like you said, it just doesn't always jive as well as you would like. And so I like the focus. I like what Elway had to say today when he was interviewed by NFL Network, where he said last year, there's players dancing when they weren't on the field instead of paying attention to what the coaches are saying. They're just missing things. And, and so for me, I, I do. I, I like this. I like the idea. But I'm with you a little bit on I do worry a little bit. I think Fangio is going to have to find that balance of being old school coach, yet knowing he's working with 21 to 25 year olds, mostly on his team. And that they are the type of guys that they need that ability to relax, to have fun because I mean, football, it's grinding, especially this time of year. Yeah. You're, you're hitting guys over and over again. Uh, they're your teammates. It just, I mean, this is where fights start showing up. It's where players start talking. We can't wait to get the games to hit somebody else. And so sometimes having those little things that can help them out. That's why I loved uh, back when they did, was it mandatory minicamp? And he had the, the final day of practice. He just canceled and said, we're having a fun day. Yep. And I think that's him trying to find that balance. So I, I do like it. I, I just, like I said, I need to see to make sure that these players continue to to talk about Fangio the way they have. If we get another month in and they're sitting there going, man, I, I mean, if they're not talking about Fangio the same way of this guy being just that that mob boss, I mean, they're, they're always joking about who this guy is and that they love to listen to him, that they they respect when they do something great. They're always looking over at Fangio to see if he notices. If they mess up, they're looking at Fangio to see if he hopefully didn't see it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're looking for his approval. That's, that's a big sign to me of a guy that really has the respect of the team. Like you said, though, let's say they start losing a couple games early on. Do they still have that same mentality towards him as a coach? Yeah. That's where that, the ability to overcome adversity and stick together in those, those real team moments come, you know, and when the, the chips are down and everything is kind of stacked against you. So we will see, but it does feel I mean, even just hearing him talk with the media, I know that's how much can you take away from that. But winning the media conferences, I think he's definitely seems to have it more. And if the wins come, people will follow. But that's that's the big thing. So got to see these guys buy in. And it just does. It does seem like they have that respect. And I do like that Fangio at this point, it seems isn't being too overbearing. Also, he's letting his coaches coach. You know, he's not getting in there and cutting off Azani, trying to coach wide receivers and then running across the field and working with the safeties with Donatel. So that's uh, I, 
you got to be a little bit different kind of granted. Every single coach is different, but you got to be a little bit different type of guy. I know your strengths and strengths and weaknesses, but let your coaches coach and put them in a position to succeed. And then your players will succeed. So right. it's well, a big was, thing. That was something I was thinking about with, uh, with the, the coach that really should not be mentioned with the Broncos. Who's with the Patriots now, but they, they would talk about that where he wanted to be in everything. Yeah. And I mean, it got to the point where he and the defensive coordinator couldn't continue because he came to the defense coordinator after they were winning those first, what, six straight games. Yeah. And he came to him and said, I don't like how you're calling games. This is how I'd rather you call a game. You're six and oh, and you're telling your defensive coordinator and and you're winning because of the defense. (laughs) That, that, That offense was okay. They weren't lighting anybody up by any means. And they got some lucky breaks during that stretch. But McDaniel's going to to your defensive coordinator and telling him, hey, I don't like how you're doing things when things are very successful. That's not that's not a way a head coach should operate. And I mean, there, there should have been huge warning bells going off when this is that kind of guy on the, you know, operating with his coaching staff that he brought in. Yeah. You got to trust your guys and you got to put them in a position to succeed. But I was listening to, I just want to bring it back here to, you know, what is Fangio going to do to succeed this year? A lot is made of the coaches, but I, I, something that sticks in my head from listening to the move the sticks podcast, which is Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. And they're talking about, you know, great coaches, but one quote that really just, I mean, it, I don't think I'll lose this one is hall of fame players make hall of fame coaches, you know, so obviously coaches have to put their players in a position to succeed, push them, push the right buttons, play calling, et cetera, et cetera. But you got to give them the roster to succeed. You know, maybe then obviously there's some definite, definite wins and losses and a really bad coach can <laughs> tank a talented team. But again, hall of fame players make hall of fame coaches. So you got to keep building this roster, got to develop these guys. And hopefully these, uh, these young players that they brought in free agency in the draft can help, turn the tide here of what has been a sinking ship that is the Denver Broncos football team over the past two and a half, three seasons. Definitely. Well, another thing that the Fangio has brought that other coaches have not done here. And, and I think this is very interesting because he is that, I mean, the, the famous saying around Denver right now is death by inches mm-hmm. that you want to make sure that you have those little details down. So you don't die by those little inches. Do you have a, do you watch Brooklyn nine, nine? I've watched some. I haven't watched all of it. Okay. Every time I hear that, I want to say a uh, title of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue. We're going to be, oh, man. we're going to lose our, uh, <laughs> we're going to lose our E rating here for everybody. So let's, let's continue. Every time I hear that, I was like, oh, I want to shout out like Andy Sandberg. I don't title know. Some, of your sex tape. some of our sponsors, they, they might appreciate that, but uh, That's no, true. <laughs> but no, uh, one of them that really, I mean, it, this is such a, it's a little thing, but it's to me, it's a big thing also. He has decided instead of wearing the the usual practice jerseys that most teams wear when they're going through training camp, they he decided he wants them to wear game worn jerseys or game jerseys every practice. And his reasoning behind this is he said that those practice jerseys are easier to grab and it develops bad habits when you're trying to tackle. And and I don't know, for me that just really I wouldn't be thinking about that. But for a defensive coordinator and a guy that's been in the league for a long, long time, I'm sure he's seen that very thing happen where he just watches his defensive players get in training camp, have those practice jerseys. Oh, they just grab a hold of the guy from behind 
and and just it's easy to do. Oh, it's a tackle and, and training camp, but an actual game. Then all of a sudden you start seeing those guys slip through their hands. I mean, it, it just it just clicks and you just say oh, that makes a lot of sense. Why aren't more people doing this? I guess is my thought. And and so it's just those little details that you're sitting there saying, this guy's probably been thinking for years. If I ever became a head coach, these are the things I know would help my team. Yeah, no, it's the little things. And I think that's really interesting that they're going with the, the game jerseys and everything like that. I know they have some, some standards as far as the stuff that they need to use on the field. So I'm curious, you know, what this does for like the, the training staff and the people that have to clean the jersey and whatnot, like do they get extras, but it's small attention to detail. That is uh, pretty interesting there. I don't, I think it's, it's probably minuscule in terms of the general outcome or the overall outcome on the season, but still it's one of those things where there's no detail too small. And hopefully this is something that not only applies to, you know, the game jerseys here, they you know, changing those from the practice Jersey, but other details, you know, like, where people are lining up, like uh, where they are in the, in the, how they prepare watching film, you know, just everything is very organized and no detail too small that can't be brought up. Right. And, and I guess for me, I mean, you said it doesn't affect possibly some of the outcomes in a lot of games, but I, I look at last year and how many tackles the Broncos missed. Yeah. I mean, they just were not, I mean, they were not a disciplined team. No. It, it was easy to see that on defense. It seemed like there was times where, especially early in games, they'd sit there and say, we know the offense isn't going to win this game for us. And so then they'd get sloppy in what they were trying to do on the field. And, and so just having a coach that really cares about those details and says, no, we're, we're going to care about this. We're going to care about how we tackle. We're going to care about uh, what we do, how we diagnose things, all, all those kind of things. It just really, it gets me excited just to see what, what happens, especially on defense. I do worry a little bit, just things I'm hearing on offense, but that's just more. It's early. <laughs> yeah, it's early. And so it's just trying to see where things are going to go with that. But, uh, but no, I mean, again, I, I just, I don't see any kind of negative that can come from this kind of thing. This is a, a small decision that I think can, can lead the team to not only knowing, Hey, this little detail, but if the coach cares about this, then he's going to care about all these other little things that I do. Yeah, no, it's again, I, th- I think it's just more of a, an indicator on the whole, as far as, you know, he's thought of everything and something like something as small as that can add up and make a difference over the time. So it is that death by inches thing, but it's, it goes beyond the jerseys. So I'm, I'm excited about that, you know, and if they're not if they're not looking past something like the size of the jerseys or the type of jerseys, then I'm, I, don't, I don't worry about them, you know, glossing over something that ends up being a big contributor on the season for the negative. So it's a it's a good thing. And, you know, whether or not it makes a big difference on the season, you know, we'll see the missed tackles were a concern last year. You know, whether that that could be schematic, too. I mean, putting Justin Simmons as a box safety was a travesty, but uh, we'll see. So. I just I think it's interesting and it's at worst it's a a funny and interesting tidbit for some guys like us to talk about. So I'll take it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back on building the Broncos. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alrighty, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. I am Nick, along with Carl. And one thing you got here that you want to talk about today is snaps for the young players. And I got to say how they're rotating these guys in and out, you know, whether they're not just doing the first teamers versus the first teams or everything. They're kind of shifting guys around because, hey, there's going to be injuries. They're going to kind of see who stacks up there next to their peers. So I'm really a big fan of that, a fan of this, especially when you have a team that has the extra practices such as the Broncos do, given that they have the Hall of Fame game. I, I don't mind it right now, the idea of getting third and fourth stringers, getting in there with the ones, because um, I heard somebody say earlier something about, really, if you think about it, probably about 30 to 35 players are really locked in for this team. And for the most part, those players are, are pretty good players. I mean, I, I think the Broncos roster is a lot stronger this year, especially than last year, especially when I'm looking at the defensive side, what they've done in the secondary and now second year with Bradley Chubb, all those kind of things. But I, I think they got a, a decent str- strength of team. But like you said, the, the depth of this team is what's going to really define this season. I mean, you're going to have injuries. That's just going to happen. No team can escape without somebody going down. And, and so then what happens? Is there this giant drop-off in your next 10 players? Or are they players that can actually step in and at least – Keep the ball rolling. Maybe not as well as it was, but at least keep the ball rolling. And I look at like the offensive line when you're hearing like the second and third and fourth teams are just not great. They're getting destroyed. I mean, even the first team's getting destroyed. But I mean, they're, they're we're gonna have to live or die by what they are. But I mean, is there even that bigger drop off to that next level? And so, I mean, it is, there's a lot of questions that come into that. And so right now when they're going through these extra practices, it makes sense to get those young guys in the veterans don't need as much work in training camp anyway, other than, you know, more just because it is a new system, but right now getting those younger guys in there, just seeing if they can handle it. I think that is a very, very good thing. I do wonder a little bit as we get closer to the season, are they going to continue this kind of trend though? Yeah, no, that's something that'll be interesting. I mean, we probably will see it because the nicks and bruises and the dings will add up a little bit. I mean, that's football, whether it be when the pads come on in practice or even, you know, the preseason games. So I think that we will continue to see these guys being rotated in and out, the young guys. And one thing that I've heard is a big thing that I like about this is if you're playing that third stringer out there next to the first first stringers, you really can find out pretty quickly whether or not they belong, you know, whether it's or if they're, you know, drinking through a fire hose, not to take from an LA cliche about uh, the quarterback position, especially when they're young. So I think that's a good thing. And Hey, hopefully some guys will stand out. So I think we'll start to see a little bit more of a refined approach as we get closer and closer to when the roster needs to be cut down to the 53. But this early on getting those guys out there, kind of seeing what works, especially now that, you know, Todd Davis is injured and going to miss probably all of preseason. I, I'm, I think that's a totally fine and interesting and smart way to go about it. So we'll see, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for these young guys. I mean, this is a young roster. This is a team that's more about the direction they're heading than where they're at right now. 
So getting these guys in there, shuffling it up and making sure everybody knows that, you know, your job's on the line. If you go out there and compete, you can take it. And if you're the starter right now and you are falling behind, you know, the guy behind you is going to come take your spot. So that competition's good. You know, again, kind of pulling back from a, a past cliche, but iron sharpens iron. Everybody's got to be competing against each other. And hopefully that'll uh, create some synergy and push everybody up over the top. I guess my question then is, when do you start really narrowing down the list? Is it first after the Hall of Fame game? Is it after first, second, third, fourth preseason game? What? When do you really want to start narrowing things down? I think probably by what will be the third preseason game for the Broncos, because you know the, the starters don't really play that that last one, typically the fourth, but the fifth for us this year. So you really want to see, start to see those rotations start to define themselves, probably in those the third and fourth preseason game. You know the ones where the starters start a majority of the time. That's when you'd like to see those rotations, those roles that those players have start to be more defined. But at this point, I mean, they got the extra preseason game. We're not probably not going to see almost any starters playing that Hall of Fame game. If anything, maybe maybe the first series, if that. So I have no issue with it. But if you do want to start to see that become more defined in their roles when the majority of the starters are going to be playing, which will be the preseason games three and four for the Broncos this year. In my wow. opinion, at least. How deep should they be going even right now, though? Because I heard something from McMahon that I guess it kind of caught my attention just because I don't know if I agree with it very much. He said that if if in this Hall of Fame game that there are 10 punts by the other team, they're going to have 10 different punt returners out there. Are you really telling me that we have 10 guys that they're trying to compete for that position? Or would it be better just to go ahead and say, hey, these are our five guys. Let's give each of them two times. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, most punts are probably going to end in a fair catch. Yeah. But even something can be gleaned from that. Well, that's true. But, I mean, if another guy gets a a bigger opportunity, are you going to tell me that just because he got the bigger opportunity, he gets that that leg up, I guess? I I don't know. I I just – when I heard that, it just made me go, that that might be too too broad. Yeah. Even for this early in the season. Yeah, I think the – you also have to take practice into account though, right? Like it's not just the preseason games that they'll be using to evaluate these players. It's in the film room. It's on the practice field and it's those preseason games. So if they have questions about those guys or anything like that, obviously they'll start to funnel it a little funnel it more specifically. But I think early on, especially when you have five preseason games, I I'm not looking into it much at all. Especially when you have the questions that punt return and kick returner that the Broncos have right now. I mean, who the hell knows? Right. Well, and I'm also thinking for like the off-ball linebacker spot. Where yeah. they keep talking about that they're going to do it as a rotation right now just to see what guys are, what they can what they can and cannot do. Yeah, prove it to me. I got I got no issue with it at this point. I mean, it's they're learning the offense, they're putting it in there and hopefully we will see some uh some development, but right now I got I got no issue with them rotating and using the entire 90-man roster. Obviously, some guys won't get on there, but you never know. You know, you never want to dismiss somebody. Otherwise, you'd end up, you know, starting Demarcus Walker and not signing a guy like Shelby Harris. So we'll see, and uh, you know, give these guys a chance. That also, I think, is good for the demeanor of the bottom of the roster too. You know, everybody's going to be given a shot, so you bring it. And when you have your chance, go out there and prove it. So I, I think it's especially with the extra preseason game, the extra practices. I, I think it's a good thing. It's also keeping everybody more fresh. I think as well, both mentally and physically. So okay. I, I got no issue with it. So my, my final question with this, I, I guess this is just one question I have. When you're talking about a team that's needing to to build chemistry both offensively and defensively, 
Does subbing in so many young players hurt some of that development? That is my probably my biggest concern is that the uh, that the chemistry is not going to be there as much as you'd like, whether it be from the quarterback to the receivers, the offensive line, or the chemistry that's needed in the defense with a more matchup zone heavy scheme this year. So that is the that is probably the biggest concern. But even then, I don't how much chemistry they're going to have week one anyway. You know, like it's a new new linebacker duo and stuff like that. So the communication's key, and but hopefully, you know, with Fangio being more apparently much more efficient with how he's running the practices. And, you know, using every single minute to really just hammer these points home. I mean, they're, they're getting the plays in. The practices are being a little longer, but they're even more efficient. So they're getting more in there. It's install right now. So I, I, that is the concern. But I think that, again, I'd rather make sure that each of these guys is given a chance that we really see what we have on this roster rather than focus about the chemistry of the wrong guys being out there. Okay. I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, and and you were talking earlier about the the longer practices, uh, something the Broncos are doing different this year. Just a, another little thing that the Fangio is doing is he is doing one practice a day. And so instead of doing a walkthrough in the afternoon, like they were doing the last couple of years, that is more rehab film time, more just being inside the building rather than being out on the field. And so he's having longer practices in the morning, no practice in the afternoon. And, and to be honest, I mean, because walkthroughs, I feel like you could learn more from a film room study than a lot of times those walkthroughs. Yeah. No, absolutely. Especially if they're being more efficient and getting more done in the practice itself. I mean, we talked about earlier, this is about teaching right now and learning the offense. And when you're blasting the music and coaches are yelling, it's probably not the most efficient efficient way to teach these guys and teach an offense slash defense. So. Hopefully they're getting more. So I, yeah, I, I got no issue with it. I think it's a, I think it's a good move for them. And you know, I'm really just waiting for <laughs> preseason to get here. I'm ready for some new tape to grind. You know, see who stands out. Obviously, we'll always put more value on the tape. But now, should we in preseason, considering how simple the offense and the defense and whatnot is, eh, maybe we overrated a little bit. But uh, it's it's still exciting, and we'll have an extra game to evaluate these guys. So we'll see. Hopefully, less uh, politics involved too. All right, well, we're going to take one more break here, but when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, meme culture, I guess, is what we'll say. <laughs> but we'll be right back on Building the Broncos podcast. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All righty, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. I am Nick Kendall, along with Carl Dumbler, and honestly, this last bit today, a little bit silly, but you know what? We're, we're kind of silly, guys. Carl, Carl, how old are you? I am, what am I now? 33. 33 all right i am 27 so we're we're not kids by any means i guess we have to be full functioning adults most of the time <laughs> but true. we're we still were talking before we started this podcast about all of our bills and oh yeah expenses so <laughs> yep that's the non-fun part about being adults it is true but still a kid at heart you know i've been really enjoying the uh the memes that have been coming from the area 51 raid and it has been i mean some of the best memes I've seen this year have been mm-hmm. this whole area 51 thing. And for those of you listening that live under a rock or totally not into this uh, thing, somebody created a Facebook event that's called uh, storm area 51 colon. They can't stop us all. <laughs> and I think it has nearly 2 million people saying that they're going to go to the event. 
Um, the government is now saying, hey, guys, don't do this. We will have to use force. The hotels and what accommodations around Roswell are like all booked for when this is supposed to happen. So hilarious, kind of concerning at the same time, but also hilarious. And if it got me thinking, Carl, if you could pick players in the NFL or football players to help you form the, the A team, I guess, for storming in Area 51, who would it be? You got back to me right away saying that was a brilliant idea. We need to do this. So <laughs> we're going to just be a little bit silly to close out the, the podcast here today with this final section while a training camp talk, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Let's, let's have a little bit of fun. It's football's about fun. And this is, this is kind of a funny thing. So we decided to do six players that you'd want to storm area 51 with two former, and, two current and two still in college. And, and we'd also encourage our, our listeners tweet us your answers to see who can form the, the best team. And also, just before we get to that, did you see Buzz Aldrin? The guy came up and said, swear on the Bible that you landed on the moon. And then he punched the guy? Oh, yeah, that's that's old. Oh, that's old? Oh, okay. That's old. That's like okay. an anniversary. Buzz Aldrin, I don't know if he could do much punching anymore. I think that was from, like, <laughs> early 2000s. Okay, but, uh, I, that, I that's a classic. Did. It just, yeah, I was just laughing so hard. But, uh, no, so here's here's my team. Uh, I'm going to start with the former. and And just because... I, I was talking about this guy earlier with a few people, and I I just think he's one of the greatest football players of all time. I mean, just when you look at his – the players that he was going against, I mean, this guy just absolutely dominated. But Jim Brown, mm. I mean, the man was fast. The guy was strong. He had great balance. I just think he's one of those guys that when you're storming Area 51, when he was at his prime, even even the strongest alien couldn't stand up to this guy. And then you got to get a little bit of crazy in there. And so I went with Lawrence Taylor, LT. And again, if I need somebody to protect me and tackle that alien, this is my boy. If I need somebody to stop the, the military from getting to me, Lawrence Taylor. I know that guy's going to do everything possible to, to, to protect me, to do everything that he can out there. And, and then I go to my current, Aaron Donald. I mean, it's, it's hard to – I mean, you look at pictures of this guy – he looks like a Greek god, right? Yeah. And and so he's got power. He's got speed. He's just got everything you're looking for. And then when we were talking about this idea, I tweeted or I messaged you on this. I said, "If can I have Philip Rivers and his entire family? Absolutely. Because he's got so many kids. <laughs> you you got to have that kind of guy. But uh, no, I, other than him, I, I, I did this one just because uh, have you ever seen the movie Without a Paddle? Yes, I have. Okay, so there's a scene where they, they, they see the bear and the guy is taking off his shoes. And he's like, why are you taking off your shoes? He's like, uh, because I run faster without my shoes. And he's like, well, you can't outrun a bear. He's like, well, I, all I have to do is actually outrun you. So I, mm-hmm. I picked Orlando Brown mm-hmm. because I think I could outrun that guy. If the aliens are not friendly, at least I can outrun him. I think you got to be more worried about the, the government and the military than the, uh, the aliens. But okay, I mean, that's... Well, that's part two. You never know. That could That's be a true. wild card. So All then right. going to my, my college guys, I <laughs> it's funny. We both picked somebody from Iowa. I, I had to go with, with a couple of absolute freaks from college. Tristan Wirfs. I mean, truly, if things get hairy, that's the guy I want. He can do about everything that you want on the on the field and I think out there at Area 51. And then I need a little bit of speed. If I need a guy that can really get through there, just really shock the military, make them have to chase him around the field. Anthony Schwartz, a wide receiver from Auburn, he's not really known so much for his football ability, 
but this guy's fast. I, I really think he's probably the fastest player in all of college football. When he was in high school here, I think he ran a 10, 10.09 100-meter dash. And he owns, I, I can't remember what it is. It's like five of the top 10 records for the 100-meter dash in college or in high school. So fast as lightning kind of guy. But I think with that team, I got a good mix of power and speed. Yeah, that's a pretty good squad there. I cannot disagree. Tristan Wirfs, absolute freak. I do like Philip Rivers and his family. Made me think about Travis Henry. Maybe another <laughs> Antonio Camardi. If you <laughs> find his family. Yeah, right. Uh, I think you just blow like a conch cell and they just like show up. You know, like an anchorman, news team assemble. <laughs> they just come running. Um, but for me, my former players, my first one, I went with the, the freakiest freak that I can recall in football history and Bo Jackson. I mean, there are reports that he ran like a four one two forty at six one two hundred and thirty five pounds. So this guy, I mean, just he's probably an alien. Once he busts in there, he can just like, boys, I'm here to set you free. And they're like, oh man, it's Bo. Where have you been? <laughs> about so, time. Yeah, about time, Bo. How did you do this? You know, it's just just classic alien. Um, the second one, I think you need somebody who's a little bit absolutely insane, kind of that that crazy wild card guy that you'd see like in a Rambo movie. I'm with Bill Romanowski. And that dude, I mean, he's the one who would lose his arm in like a grenade or something. And just like he'd pick it up with his other arm and then beat you with that arm. <laughs> right. Like just absolutely insane. It's just Such a, a crazy move. person. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> and you get like a roid rage power, too. So you get like bonus points there. Like he just like grow in size and like super sane and like vein out and just, you know, lift up a tank and go Hulk mode. So Bill Romanowski is up there for me as well. So Bo Jackson, Bill Romanowski is my former guys. My current, I just went for the freak athletes, and I had a couple written down here, but I need somebody who can maybe like throw a rock and you know take out some guards or whatnot. So I went with Cam Newton. You know, he doesn't have the arm that Patrick Mahomes has, but he is you know six five, two thirty five, and just can run around as well. And he's got a, he's got a heck of an arm as well. And I think people underrate his throwing ability. So Cam Newton is my my quarterback of choice. And I also consider Josh Allen because he's kind of that version, but Cam is more accurate. So I went with, uh, and a slightly better athlete, so I went with Cam Newton. And then I went with Saquon Barkley as well because he is super athletic, big, strong, but also, I mean, if he gets past the guards in that first wave, who's going to catch him, right? Like, I, for some reason, the dang Bron- or the Iowa Hawkeyes versus Penn State in 2000, and it was either 16 or 17 season when he, Saquon and Penn State came to Iowa, and I was watching that game again, and he is just unbelievable and he was unbelievable last year too but watching these people try to catch him is insane so not only is he going to be you know evading guards and whatnot but i think he's going to be able to like you know kneel from the matrix and kind of be evading some bullets i think he can see the game that that level he can pull off those jukes and whatnot and then my college guys i got to go with my the polynesian uh super super saiyan guy in uh, aj epinesa you know six five six six 280 pounds got the sick tribal tattoos going on Smart guy as well. So I, I, I've thought about, you know, J.J. Watt, Miles Garrett for some of those guys. But I got to get a defensive lineman in there somewhere. So A.J. Epinesa. And then same with Saquon Barkley. I'll go with uh, Jerry Judy for the uh, just how smooth and quick and alien like the, the movements are. So, you know, like once you bust out the aliens, you can kind of just put a juke, for, juke out there. And he's like, ah, okay, one of us, you, you can come along. So those are my guys. But, uh, yeah, good picks, Carl. I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that uh, – you went with Tristan Wirfs before I could because I would definitely – I think I would have gone with him as well. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. And also, if you guys are listening to this, I really recommend – you know, just – I can – I'll make an official statement for building the Broncos. 
we do not endorse going to the Area 51 raid. Folks, we love you too much. And uh, I don't see this uh, ending up great for those guys showing up there. I mean, Naruto, Naruto runners and Kyle's, you know, bless your souls. But uh, we want you to, you know, see how the Broncos are going to turn the season around. And I think if you end up going to the Area 51 raid, you might be uh, met with a uh, a sad ending. So uh, any any official stance there from you, Carl? I would agree. I mean, part of me is sitting there saying it would be fun to be the guy outside the fence just watching what happens. But then I'm sitting there saying I might be there to watch a massacre, so I don't really want to watch that. I think that's uh, carnage. I don't know if I could be about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't think people realize how big Area 51 is. They they say that the base is the size of of Connecticut. What? Yep. I mean, just how the, the fence line that they have. Is the size of Connecticut. Wow. So, I mean, even what you say, 2 million people now are signed up. Yeah. That, that's still a lot of area to cover. And I mean, you, you got a few options of how you want to do that. Do you want to spread out and just see if one of you makes it through? Or are you going to bunch up and try to see if just sheer numbers make it through? I don't know, but it, it just, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't do it. That is the the military. They have a few bigger guns than most other people have. Also, the element of surprise, you've literally said when and where. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if like some, I mean, they probably already know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm talking right now and probably Lux is listening to me. But uh, yeah, it just seems, uh, seems a little silly. Also like that Europe's kind of started to, uh, to get in on the trend and they're going to storm Vatican City Ooh. to get the secrets out of the Vatican. So, uh, you know what? We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, Coach kind of, got a pretty good protection service there. Yeah, it's the aren't they the Swiss Guard? I can't remember. Called? Okay. Well, either way, pretty silly. But that's gonna wrap up today's episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Delmer MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle and affiliated twenty four seven Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find more content covering the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment as your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it and we will see you guys soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.